This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Speaking of winners, the Talk of Fame Network is sponsored by GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. You know what? Probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Our next guest is one of the greatest nose tackles to line up in the NFL, Leroy Glover. Leroy Glover arrived in the league as a fifth-round draft pick of the Oakland Raiders and even spent a season in NFL Europe before becoming a six-time Pro Bowler, all-decade selection, and the 2000 NFL leader in sacks, as well as NFC Defensive Player of the Year. Now, that was 15 years ago, and no defensive tackles led the NFL in sacks since. In fact, Leroy and Hall of Famer John Randall, the only two tackles ever to lead the league in sacks. Leroy Glover, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Laura, you've been eligible for the Hall of Fame now for three years, but you've never been a semifinalist. In fact, you weren't even included in the preliminary list of 94 candidates this year. Could nose tackle be the most forgotten position in football? I don't know. I mean, there's still some some pretty phenomenal guys who, who have played the position who are still out there waiting for, you know, some form of recognition. And there's even better ones that are playing it now, you know, just trying to, to buy their time and become winners. I think, you know, it's a position that – typically don't always judge by statistics, you know, sacks and things of the nature. It's typically judged by how your entire team defensively does against the run, does against the pass, and some of those types of factors as well. So hopefully it's not a forgotten position. Curly Culp was, you know, widely regarded as the greatest nose tackle of all time, unless you talk to my friend Fritz Merlis, who says it was him. Uh, <laughs> it still took him, you know, 27 years to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and, the only, and then he only, Curly only got in as a senior candidate. Do you ever think of the Hall of Fame, and do you understand how long a path it could be for a player who played at your position? Yeah, I think, you know, while you're playing, you don't, I don't, I did not think about it very much, but, you know, now, you know, talking to fans and just talking and interacting with people, you know, the name comes up, the name, the Hall of Fame does come up, you know, and, you know, to hear a guy like Curly Cope, who was a phenomenal football player, take him, you know, 27 years to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I think it's a situation to where, you know, as long as you get in, you know, you can't determine it. You can't vote for yourself. You know, there's phenomenal uh, reporters out there who do the voting. And I know it's a, an extremely tough process, and it has to be a tough process for those guys who do get in. They relish in the opportunity. And so, you know, hopefully it's not forgotten. Uh, it's going to be a tough process. And, and hopefully, you know, I do get recognized for, for the body of work that I've been able to put in for my 13-year career. We're speaking with former defensive tackle Leroy Glover on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us at talkoffamenetwork.com. And, Leroy, let's just cut to the chase. Do you think you belong in the Hall of Fame? I mean, if, if you had to stand in front of the group, would you say, you know what, this is why I belong? I think I do, quite honestly, and that's not being braggadocious or arrogant or anything like that. I just think, you know, once again, based upon the body of work, you know, 13 NFL seasons, played it at a high level, never missed a game up until, you know, when I did start playing in my, my second year in the league, played 192 straight games. You know, for the for the position, being able to put up, you know, those types of numbers and, and rushing the quarterback and putting the quarterback on the ground. And then from a team standpoint as well, you know, effectively playing good team defense, you know, either in New Orleans or with the Dallas Cowboys as well. And so based upon, you know, those measurements, you know, I think I do stand, you know, right there toe-to-toe with some of those phenomenal football players who have been blessed to, to be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
Laura, you had a, a nondescript rookie year with the Raiders, suiting up for only two games. So the Raiders sent you to the World League the next spring. You finished third in the league in sacks, made the all-world team, and won a championship. How important was that season in Barcelona in your development as a player? I think it was very important for exactly for what you just said, is the development. You know, an opportunity to go and, and actually play football at a high level, uh, to get seen on tape by all 32 teams, to play well, to win a championship and to gain some confidence over there as well, and then come back and, and you know really let my career sort of take off where the needle was pointing up and able to go on and do some phenomenal things in the National Football League. You know, relative to your job, uh, you know, you weren't a particularly big guy. That was a knock on you coming out of college, yet you moved into New Orleans' starting lineup in 88 and uh, didn't miss a game, as you point out, for over uh, the, for the final 11 seasons. Uh, at a position where you're getting double-teamed almost every play, so... How did you survive all those games and all those years in the belly of the beast there and keep coming back the next week? Yeah, that's a, that's a difficult question. I mean, there's no real one reason why. You know, one of it, you're blessed and you're lucky just to be able to continue to come back day after day, week after week, and year after year. I think a lot of that goes into the way that you take care of your body, what you're doing in the weight room, what you're doing from a conditioning standpoint. And because of the fact that I was released after my rookie season, that kind of triggered sort of a different motivation for me where, number one, I didn't want that to happen again. And then, two, I really didn't want to come off the field again. I wanted to try to maximize each and every opportunity that I was given throughout my NFL career. We're speaking with former defensive tackle Leroy Glover on the Talk of Fame Network. And, again, you can find us at the thetalkoffamenetwork.com. And, Leroy, um, yeah, I'll be honest with you. The more we look at you and the more I hear about you, I, I don't understand why you're not on a fast-forward track, at least to a semifinalists or finalists in the Hall of Fame. And so I guess I'll ask you this question. You could give the Hall of Fame selection committee a, a tape of one game, one play, whatever, and say, judge me as a candidate based on this game. Which game would it be and, and why? Yeah, that's a that's a difficult question because you know as you guys will know it takes a it takes a body of work you know uh, I can go back to 1998 where you know my second season as a full time started with the New Orleans Saints playing strictly nose guard and having ten sacks for for my ball club you know fast forward to the year 2000 where I put up 17 sacks you know it was, it was a pretty remarkable year for me and for any defensive tackle for that matter and then fast forward again to my years with the Dallas Cowboys I think you know three of the four years in Dallas our defense collectively was in the top five in total defense in the National Football League. But I think it would have to be one of those films and one of those tapes from the year 2000, maybe against maybe a team like the, the St. Louis Rams or the Carolina Panthers or, or one of those teams that was a division rival. All right, John Randall's in the Hall of Fame, so are Cortez Kennedy and Warren Sapp, yet none of those defensive tackles ever had a 17-sack season like you had in 2000. In fact, only one defensive tackle in NFL history ever had more sacks in a single season. Keith Millard of the Vikings with 18 in 1989. What went so right that season for you? Wow. I mean, that was a remarkable season. I think it was a collective defensive, collective effort. You know, guys like Joe Johnson, Norman Hand, and Darren Howard, the other guys in that front four with me. I mean, we were really on a mission that particular season. I think the, the one key ingredient was having a guy by the name of Norman Hand playing the nose tackle position. I mean, he was able to, if, if I got double-teamed, he had success. If he got double-teamed, I had success. And and that was pretty much the sum of it. You know, that collective front four, that group, we were able to do some phenomenal things. It's interesting to me because you're in the San Diego State Hall of Fame. You're in the Saints Hall of Fame. So you're in the Halls of Fame of the people who knew you best, who played with you, who spent the most time around you. So I'm just wondering, and we asked a lot of guys this, what would it mean to you to get the gold jacket that represents all Hall of Famers? 
that would be uh, something that may be difficult to put into words. I mean, it, it means it's, a, it's an accomplishment. It's an individual accomplishment, but it took a lot of great men to help me get there. I mean, it means that you're a part of the most solid, most special fraternity in all professional sports, in my opinion. And it means that it just takes you back to memories of, you know, Little League football, high school football, college football, and moving forward to a lot of positive people that were put into your life to help you get to that point. So it would mean it would mean the world to me. Leroy, we've got, we're out of time, but I want to thank you so much for joining us. And you know what? Uh, I, mean, I think I speak for all of us. Here's hoping you make the Hall of Fame ballot next year. In fact, guys, I think it's up to us to make sure that happens. Well, guys, well, thank you for having me. Thank you for your support. And, uh, and hopefully uh, all these things do come true. So thank you once again. That was defensive tackle Leroy Glover. And Goose, he's a pretty attractive candidate. I mean, you think he's got any traction for the coming year, at least to make it to the preliminary list for 2018? Yeah, I will personally call the Hall of Fame, tell him to put Leroy Glover on the preliminary list, along with a couple other players. You know, it, it's it's shameful that a guy of, of his caliber, an all-decade guy, doesn't get in, doesn't even get on the ballot. It, that'll change next year. He'll have some traction. Well, let's hope so. Anyway, up next, former coach Jim Fossil. He's going to assess this year's quarterbacks and Tom Brady. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.